0: you can't be, what you can't see. And I think that that's absolutely right. Our girls and our young women and our young adult women, we need to recognize and have these role models clearly on display, not hidden, not that we have to dig quite so deep for. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we, we know about Eve, but like you say, we kind of have two things working against Eve. One is that so frequently all we hear about is adam and we're just meant to just believe that oh yeah well she was there too you know that's implied and we're supposed to be happy with that and then the other is that when we actually do talk about her she is so unfairly treated um a prime example of that is the image of the apple that we so frequently Mm -hmm. connect to her Mm -hmm. you know that that apple image is just Amazing. And this really shows just how sticky cultural tradition can be.
1: All right. Quick confession before we get this episode started. It's a confession and an apology. Uh, I recorded this with Melinda Wheelwright Brown a couple of months ago, but because during COVID, coronavirus, a lot of people have been really available, I've recorded all sorts of interviews. That's right. I, I honestly probably have like 20 interviews already done in the can, as we say in the biz, but I'm just waiting and scheduling them out. When I let Melinda, or Mindy, as you'll find out I call her, uh, know that I was going to publish her episode today, she said, oh, I thought it wasn't good enough when you threw it in the old, uh, I think she said, the round organizing bin, meaning the trash can, of course, right? And I was like, no, no, it's such a great conversation just because of different things and how timing and books and all these different things came out. So I tell you that for a couple of reasons. One, know that you are going to get a brand new episode of the cultural hall every Monday and every Friday. And if you don't see one in your feed, make sure that you uh, email us, make sure that you get in touch with us and say, Hey, you know what? There's not an episode. It's the day. There should be one there. I tell you for that. And then I also tell you, because if you are a Patreon subscriber, you have access to all of those episodes who haven't even been published yet. Now I don't do the best job about it but i try and let people know when i'm recording an episode and then if they'd like it i just email them off the mp3 of it it's worth doing check it out at patreon.com theculturalhall the cultural hall so here you go it's been long awaited much anticipated this episode of the cultural hall it's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. Now, get this. We might be doing some genealogy uh, at the start of this one. We're talking talking with Melinda Wheelwright-Brown, and there's there's every chance in the world, Melinda, that we are related. Now, it's going to be distant, but my guess is you're related to the Wheelwright pioneers who came to the Salt Lake Valley way back in the day. Am I yeah, right? I that's correct, Okay, yes. all right. So my cousins are also related to the Wheelwright uh, family that came to the Valley. So if we pulled out our family search app, we would likely find that we are like eighth cousins, but great to have someone from the family here on the show.
0: Very good. Yes. Nice to meet you, relative.
1: Uh, now, let me ask you this before we go any further. Um, have you ever heard of the cultural hall or are you just leaping into this going, man, I hope, I hope that this is a great experience and uh, here it goes. <laughs>
0: Yes, I actually have. And I listened to your podcast a couple of times. So yes, good, good, I enjoyed it. It's great.
1: Good. I'm not going to correct you. It's a show in podcast form, but that'll be the last time that we'll go as far oh, as... Oh, I...
0: sorry. That's uh,
1: fine. Uh, and And then also I see that though formalities would say that I would call you Melinda, you go by Mindy. So from here on out
0: love you to call me Mindy. Yeah, yeah we're just going we're
1: just so going to go Mindy from here on out cuz I That's easier. The pretentiousness of, No, I'm just joking. Now, <laughs> uh the way that this came about actually, uh this is a social media win uh why Mindy is here on the show. I was uh what do we call it? Uh scrolling. I was doing the uh, numbing out as the kids are wont to do during quarantine, and I'm just scrolling, just scrolling through I'm doing the motions for people that are on Patreon and can see it, but everyone else would have no idea. Uh, And I saw an ad for your book on social media. So how about that? Uh, The name of the book is Eve and Adam Discovering the Beautiful Balance. And I immediately went, wait, wait a minute. What is Mindy Brown doing here? It's Adam and Eve. And so... (laughs) We, in the later parts of this episode, we'll we'll find out. I'm pretty sure that that Eve before Adam thing is intentional in the title of the book and, and what that balance is. But let's take a moment and get to know you a little bit. You obviously have pioneer stock on some part of your family. Are you a lifelong member of the church?
0: Yes, I am. I am from pure pioneer stock in every direction.
1: Born and raised in Utah?
0: No, not at all. I actually, uh, well, I was born in California, but we moved back and forth quite a bit mm-hmm. from um, Northern California to Massachusetts. My okay. dad was a professor, yeah. and he had uh, kind of two schools pulling on him, so we went back and forth a lot. Now, when I, I hear to- now when I
1: hear Massachusetts, I hear like Harvard or or one of the uh, fine ones. Is yeah. that is that what it was? Yes.
0: Harvard, it was Stanford and Harvard. Oh, okay. So I was a child, a younger child in Belmont, Massachusetts, and then a teenager in Palo Alto, California. Okay. And um, loved both places. My family actually moved back to Boston as soon as I graduated from high school. So I have a lot of siblings who consider themselves Bostonians. Yeah. I think of myself as a Californian
2: as, a, <laughs> as my
0: older sister. So we're we're a little different that way within the family. But um, then I went to BYU. I met my husband there, I've, and then I have
1: never heard of that happening. That you've
0: never heard that story. That That's kind is, of a common one, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> was it yes. as, was it as quick as commonly?
0: Uh... Uh, let's see. We met when he was newly returned from his mission, and I was a sophomore. <laughs> That's pretty standard, I guess. We were married as juniors, uh-huh. had our first baby at the beginning of our senior year, and then moved on to do some of his training up to Salt Lake. And then we were in North Carolina and in Seattle. We're hmm. coming back to Utah. We're one of the many people who say we never thought we'd settle in Utah. And right. yet we did. And we love it. It's terrific. What so,
1: did uh, what What did dad teach at Stanford and at Harvard?
0: Uh, he was at the business school at hmm. both. So he's kind of in that club of a lot of sharp LDS professors. I was who, going to say that that is, that
1: is I don't want to say high rollers club because I don't think that necessarily defines it but that is that is prestigious as they would say instead of prestigious.
0: Yes yeah he's we we grew up with a lot of great mentors around us. Um, he used to when we were little kids living in Boston but every lunch hour running along the Charles River with mm. Kim Clark who's oh, wow. gone on to some other exciting things as well and Anytime we were driving around, if we were anywhere near there, my mom would tell us in the car, oh, look for dad and Kim. They're probably running. And we often <laughs> saw them. They ran every day together.
1: How fun. All right. We were starting to have a little bit of technical difficulties. So we switched over from a Zoom interview to the phone. That's why you're going to see that it sounds completely different now. Um, the child of an academic is a is a different kind of life. Um I I don't have that experience, but from people that I've had the opportunity to chat with here in the cultural hall, they talk very much about how when they find out how other people's childhoods are compared to theirs, it's night and day difference.
0: <laughs> that's that's funny. I, I mean, it's normal to me, so I don't really think of that, but I think you might, you might well be right. We spent a lot of time um, focused on efficiency and uh, kind of best practice. Like if we were ever working on something, there would be an assembly line immediately put into place, or, you know, he would talk us through why this was a better way to do it and how we could save time in manufacturing, you yeah. know, type of things like that. He, he used that ling- lingo. So we certainly thought that way. Um, the thing that was always super embarrassing to me as a child was going to McDonald's with my dad because he just could hardly handle the inefficiencies that might be (laughs) going on behind the counter. (laughs) And by the time it was our turn in line, oh, he would embarrass me so badly because in his younger days, he doesn't do this as much now, but in his younger days, he would sometimes offer advice of how they might be a little bit more efficient and that just was not cool. The to, unwarranted to
1: advice to the high school student who just, you know, it's just a job to him or her. Yeah. He just wants to get through it. And your dad's like, you know, if, if you, you moved that over way. there and we're able to do this, that's awesome.
0: Yes, exactly. At
1: some point, it just gets to you guys where you're just like, right, yeah. listen, we don't want to go out. Let's just let's just have exactly. something at home, Dad. That's that's fine. We'll just exactly. we'll just eat at home. Uh, yeah. so, so uh, your your back and forth. Does that give you sort of a, a, a greater love for your church family? Makes you draw closer uh, to those folks?
0: Yes, for sure. For sure. Both of those places were just um, amazing meccas for just hugely intelligent, devoted, hardworking people. Of course, anytime you're in those kind of college and university uh, atmospheres, you get that. And it certainly gave us a broad range of people that we were well connected to. It was also hard because when they moved back to Boston after I had graduated from high school, Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I lost a lot of ties to those Northern Californian Mm -hmm. mentors. Um, But it's it's crazy because, you know, it's a very small world and we cross paths with everybody. And it seems like at least half of those people have since moved to Utah as I have. And so, you know, we're, we're friends with all of them now and it's all good, but it was a little bit hard to have my roots upended when I left home, uh, to be going home to not my home. It felt a little bit like, so that was a little bit tricky, but it all worked out. Yeah.
1: I've only had the experience, uh, to really uh, be in and around the church there in Massachusetts around Harvard. Um, and uh, and had the chance to kind of experience the ward there. And it is like no other ward that I've ever been a part of, uh, not only from like the high level of academia, like like gospel doctrine classes, you know, or they look at things like Mormon doctrine and they're like, oh, that trite thing, like it's, <laughs> you know, it's these things that they'll be yeah. on that. But then also such a different... Um, where, where I think within the church, we often uh, sort of align it with a very conservative way of thinking. Like I find that to be far more liberal, probably it would be true of of in and around Stanford, but certainly of yes. that area in Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true for both of them, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they're both equally just open-minded. You've got people coming from different backgrounds and different education uh, styles, you mm-hmm. know, lots of variety, which is super. I think that's just fabulous.
1: But that's one of the struggles that, uh, again, in visiting with a lot of folks here in the Cultural Hall, that when you come to Utah, unfortunately, we don't we don't um, have that as much.
0: Yeah, but you know what? We were surprised when my husband and I moved back here. We came about 15 years ago, and um, we're just, we're like in the heart of Provo, basically, mm-hmm. and we were surprised that, probably four out of five of our neighbors were transplants mm-hmm. from the West Coast within the last 10 years. And so we really have felt like there's a lot of uh, kind of broad experience and different backgrounds. It's not exactly what it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago when we were back there for school and yeah. things, it's changed a lot. But, and now, I mean, it's so easy. Everybody can commute, you can work from home, sure. you just get a lot more variety. And, and I think it's great. It's, you know, you get pros and cons everywhere you sure. live. And it's just a matter of kind of figuring out which ones you want to have all the time and which ones you want to travel for,
1: good and bad. And you work from home whether you want to or not, in this case.
0: (laughs) Sometimes you do. That's exactly right.
1: What does husband do?
0: Uh, He's a physician. He's an interventional radiologist.
1: Cool. I have no idea what that would even be.
0: (laughs) So that's like, like, is uh, that like,
1: hold on, we need an x-ray. That sounds what an (laughs) intervening uh, radiologist sounds like.
0: Well, interventionalists do things that use um, uh, radiographic techniques. So like if you have to drink that awful stuff before you have a CT or whatever, um, they they use those like X-rays and radiographically guided procedures hmm. to use catheters and so stroke treatments, um, oh fibroids. I mean, lots of different things. That it's it's minimally invasive surgery type of stuff. Hmm. Stuff that you might think a surgeon would do. He actually can do a lot of. But you're better off if you don't have to see him. If you have to go yeah. see him, you're not doing so well. So. Ugh. Hopefully okay.
1: not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, kids, I presume. I guess I shouldn't make that yeah. presumption. Yeah.
0: Yes, I have four children. I have two older ones who are married. Uh, one was one of my grandbabies and the other on the way. And oh. so that's exciting. How do you like They're being a grandma? Very happy. Oh, yeah. it's the greatest thing in the world. It's, it's absolutely great. I mean, I loved getting my two in-law children. Because I thought, oh, to get kids that you didn't have to birth or get through puberty <laughs> is like a gift. So so those are, you know, two of my favorite of the six now. Yeah. And then to get grandchildren, oh that like takes it to a whole new level. They're just they're the funnest. Absolutely the best. It makes it all worth it.
1: Do you still so, so then I it it uh my assumption is that then two of them are still at home.
0: Uh yes. Well one is a sophomore, actually I guess As of this week, a junior at BYU, Mm -hmm. but you know, lives locally. We see her a lot. And then my youngest is a senior in high school, although not really, since she's not in school anymore, which is weird. So she's just hanging around. So our nest is very close to empty. Good. That's okay. I'm going to be ready for that. It's all good.
3: (laughs) A lot of people are scared about it. Why are Why are you (laughs) so ready for it?
0: I'm I'm ready. Well, our older two are quite a bit older. We have about a ten. 11 year mm. range. And I think once you get grandbabies, you're kind of ready to move on and yeah. get out of
2: over it, know, over it. A get out
0: kid, teenager thing. Yeah. And she's she's super ready to grow up, be on her own, learn things the hard way. Like yeah. it's time for her. So it's good.
1: It's you be you pay fine. rent for her first month. You're, she's like, yeah, "Yeah, I haven't even graduated yet." And you're like, "No, no, 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 no. That's no, no, no. <laughs> Listen, fine. school's not going to be back in session this year. You're done. Uh, How about let's, June? Let's send you June first yeah. is that good? Is that fine? Look, I packed well, your, I packed, I packed your room up, and she's like, "Wait, what are we doing here? Awfully." Anxious. I will miss her. Yeah, oh, I will sure. miss
0: her. But she's going to San Diego, and that's a pretty good place to visit. So oh yeah, I can handle that. So you can yeah. go out and see her.
1: That will work. Uh, so yeah. so uh. You wrote a book. We'll talk the topic of yeah. the book, but is this the first book that you've written, or what drives yes. what drives a crazy person to write
3: a book?
0: <laughs> well, I, I should say it's the first book that I've published. Okay, I've worked on several kind of family history collections uh, for my, well, my immediate extended family, I would say, the Wheelwright family, to uh-huh. help gather some fun things over about a 15-year span. That so so is, my is, that, is
1: that stuff like, uh, oh, great-great-grandpa Ed, this is what he did, and where he would have lived, that kind of thing?
0: Well, there was one of those, actually, for my husband's grandmother. I helped her pull together her autobiography like that before she passed away, and that oh, cool. was a fun experience and you know created a good treasure. But no, actually, for my family, what we did is, over the course of about 15 years, we had each of the five kids write, a story we called it, basically, any sort of story that was a, the Christmas gift that we would compile every year for my parents. And then, for their fiftieth anniversary, we pulled those all together into a book format that we published so that every member of their posterity and you know, close friends who wanted it could have a copy of it. And it's really, honestly, it is the funnest type of family history ever. it's It's truly enjoyable to read. The grandkids love to read it and learn about all their hmm. aunts and uncles and everybody's fun stuff and anyway we call it our story it's just kind of our collection it made for a great 50th wedding anniversary gift for our parents so.
1: for sure it's, please tell um, me it comes with family recipes in it
0: it, it does it has yes! sections of recipes it has photo sections like there was a there's we would try to do some bonus sections every year with the five stories. Mm-hmm. And so like one of them is family cars and we dug up, I mean, I don't even know how we did this. Cause of course, back in the day, we weren't taking photos on cell phones all the time, but <laughs> we found photos of every old car that we had driven Oh wow. and just crazy stuff. All the homes we'd lived in over the years and we moved a lot. So those, you know,
1: it's a lot of homes.
2: But, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's a fun collection. It's a very fun collection. So that was, that was a really fun, big sort of project. And I think that made me feel like once I started doing all this research about even to Adam, I think I felt like, you know, maybe I could do this. I've done this before. I've worked through that publishing process on a lower degree for sure,
2: but
0: let's do it. It just seemed like there were a lot of people who had been searching and looking for the same information that I'd been looking for. And as I was finding things and starting to speak about it places and, and just conversationally as well, It just was amazing to me how much this resonated with everybody who I came up to in discussions with it. And so I thought, yeah,
2: let's do this.
1: Let's do this book thing. Let's take a break right here. I think that's a natural place to do that. When we come back in the uh, second block of the Cultural Hall, why did we put Eve first? Was it intentional? Is she trying to get a point across? And what is that point? Uh, We'll come back and do that in the second block of the Cultural Hall. (laughs)
3: Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. Are you experiencing panic attacks, nausea, or diarrhea? Is your computer not turning on? Is it running super slow? Is your internet crawling? Or is it just randomly crashing? You could be suffering from ICS, irritable computer syndrome. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time you had your PC cleaned? Over time, Windows, updates, spyware, malware, and dangerous viruses will make your computer run like crap. You need to bring in your laptop or desktop PC no matter what brand it is and let me run a 100% free virus scan, malware, and spyware scan on your computer. Don't wait and risk losing everything. Now, why are we doing this for free? Because we want to impress you so much that if you or any of your friends or family need a computer, service, or phone repair, you come to PC Laptops first. Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you.
1: Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, we'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you think about this episode and other episodes that you've listened to recently. Or if this is the first one, uh, you're a friend of Mindy's and you're like, man, I love Mindy. I'd like more of people like Mindy. Uh, you can always give us suggestions. The, that email address is contact@theculturalhall.com. You can find us on all of the social medias at The Cultural Hall. And I pay extra special attention if you leave us a review uh, wherever you're getting this episode. I'd love to hear what you think, and uh, you can drop us all those five stars. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a single episode. Uh, Mindy Brown, it's yeah. uh, it's even Adam, I'm assuming, for in an intention, and I would love to dive full bore into why we're doing it that way.
0: Well, actually, I'll tell you, there. we worked through several titles before we landed on this one. Okay. And um, all of the other ones did not include Adam. Sorry to Okay. Say. Well, let me, let me hear. Uh, can you tell me some of the other on ones? Um, I, I can tell you my working title. Okay. Probably. Um, I, I think that's okay. And I never, I mean, I just didn't really know if it was going to stick with this, but I, I certainly wasn't set that it would because I had a hunch it might not. Sure. But as I worked through it, I called it exalting Eve. Okay. Um, because it was very much about uh, restoring her honor to where I suspected and hoped it was supposed to be
2: mm-hmm.
0: but of course as I was doing all that research I really wanted to get to the bottom of like is she heroic is she what I think she was meant to be I just I just wanted to figure out for myself and be totally sure that I understood her role uh the role of all women kind of our place in the universe how god feels about us that really mattered to me um but because I was was pretty strongly suspecting that she has been unfairly maligned Mm -hmm. and women because of it often have been unfairly treated. Um, I looked at it as a kind of an endeavor to exalt her to her proper place where she belongs. Well, and I,
1: and I love the working title and obviously uh, as we've already mentioned, the, the now title of the book is Eve and Adam with the subline, discovering the beautiful balance. So, I mean you, you queued up what could be hours worth of discussion. <laughs> that's uh, exactly right. Uh, Sorry. Just didn't know you're fine. Um but I wanna I wanna try um without obviously giving any and I'm air quoting spoilers from the book, but to really get to the depth of a few of the things that you said. Um one is that Eve is often maligned, and I think that, that uh I think that that's significant um within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints that, that Maybe this is just personal feeling, but I don't feel like we we give her that same treatment as maybe some other uh, Christian denominations. Um, but that is to say that women and women's treatment has come out of Eve and, and the choices that Eve made. So wherever you would like to shut me up and dive in, go there.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, that's tricky because you just opened up a lot of queuing points as well. Yeah. Let's see. i guess I guess I would say, in terms of the difference between members of our faith and mm-hmm. others, um, I do think as a whole, we try to give her the honor due to her, mm-hmm. and we certainly do better than we used to. and um, and a lot of people do very well with that. Mm-hmm. It is really, really complicated and difficult to keep all. The cultural tendrils and tentacles out of the story because we do in fact live in the big wide world yeah and um they creep in so like for example one very popular uh speaker and teacher these days member of the church um has a great following frequently says little things that because of course my ear is very attuned to this i'll catch it and think oh no, oh, that, that sounded like a traditional worldview take on mm. even Adam. Don't don't let that slip in because we know more than that. We know better than that. For example, something like kind of bemoaning the fact of, oh, why did there have to be a bad tree in the garden? So, you know, that's that's very much a traditional worldview mm-hmm. that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a bad tree. We know a lot more than that. And and even though We might not talk about it real openly, but this is where I actually start off uh, my discussion in the book, is looking at that tree and seeing that both trees were good, because we know that that was the tree that needed to be eaten of. And and of course, there's so much symbolism in there. There's a lot of figurative questions, how much is real, uh, how much is figurative, whatever. But because we know that that tree had to be partaken of to open the doorway to mortality, and mortality was absolutely a key part of the plan, Mm -hmm. of the big Grand plan that was in place from the very beginning. In no way was that a bad tree. That was a good tree. It was a matter of agency being fully employed in in deciding the time to do that and the way to do that and go about it. But we all needed to cross over into mortality, and so this is something that had to happen. So this notion that that was a bad tree is probably not an accurate or fair way to describe that. And I would love to just help uh, kind of shift the vocabulary and how we talk about that and try to really uh, help people recognize all the pieces of the puzzle that we're very blessed to have most of those mm-hmm. because of course it's an ongoing restoration but um we do have a lot of missing pieces that other faith traditions don't have and i think that should inform us and enlighten us in a way that maybe we could get away from some of those cultural misperceptions that have been just repeated and just fostered through centuries, millennia. So,
1: honestly. so when you talk about um, that, we as and I'm using the church collective we that yeah. uh, that we used to speak about it uh, one way, and that we're doing, you know, you're giving us the the allowance of we're doing better perhaps than we used to. Is it in the same way that Christianity in general seems to be treating women a little bit better, or are we unique in the in our shift? And what does that shift look like?
0: Uh. That, that is a good question. Well, I do think Christianity in general is doing better. I think it's just a, a function of the modernization of society and you know growing um, uh, intellects and, and conversation about it, better communication about it, those sort of things and and I will say that outside of our own church, other scholars, in all the different areas, whether it's uh, Judaism, Catholicism, uh, all sorts of Protestant religions, there are people in all of those fields who are trying to really redeem Eve and recognize that she played an important role and uh, kind of try to get rid of the maligning that has gone on with Mm -hmm. her uh, Mm -hmm. over the years. And so it's really refreshing to see that it's happening across the board. It's like bubbling up, you know, it's time for this to be happening. I do think that within our religion, we are making great progress as well. Obviously, we have a lot of uh, amazing women and women's groups. Um, I think social media has helped people feel more confident in speaking out and recognizing that, no, I'm not crazy. Like, that thing I heard in gospel doctrine class actually wasn't quite right and I probably should have raised my hand and corrected that
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and I think we are building confidence as we kind of band together and recognize that that we we have the knowledge and information to get it right and so let's work on improving that and I think you know communication in general has improved so much over the last few decades just by nature of of learning more you know um, scientific studies and research and just everything. there's there's just a much more much higher interest in quality communication and how we relate to one another. So gender studies is something that has grown so much. I mean, when I was at BYU as an undergraduate, like that wasn't even a thing. yeah I mean, that, that wasn't even an option for me to study. I would love to go back and get a master's in the next couple of years in gender studies or women's studies somewhere. And now, I mean, I can find online programs to do that, yeah. you know, it's everywhere now. So as a whole, we really are making great progress, but there's still, we, we can do better.
1: So. But but there's a lot of this. And I think where the difficulty comes, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to my wife briefly before, you know, this interview took place and, and like, what's source material, right? Like, it's not like we have new scripture uh, that is like, hey, here's the secret book of Eve that we can all, <laughs> you know, kind of get this from. So w-
0: well, that's interesting because in some ways we, we do have some other sources. Um, for one thing, the way that um, linguistics has improved in the study of linguistics hmm. is leaps and bounds. You know, fifty years ago, there wasn't really an accessible easy way, especially for a lay person like myself, to figure out, say, what the Hebrew word was used in the Bible and how many times that was used and where all the places. I don't speak Hebrew. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, I don't read it. And so, you know, without the tools that are available now online, things like Biblehub.org or Blue Letter Bible, things like that, that was a nearly impossible thing to figure out. But now to have linguistics at our fingertips like that and be able to really do word studies is huge. And the understanding that's uncovered is just gargantuan, because there's so many cultural influences. It's almost like restoring one of, say, Michelangelo's painting's which if you were restoring from 500 years ago, you would be taking off layer by layer very gently, all these layers of dust and grime and dirt, all this stuff that is built up. And underneath, if you could get those layers off, it could still look similar, but oh, it would be so much brighter, so much more beautiful, right? And and you could really discern a lot more detail from it. And that's kind of what it feels like, because we now have the tools to do much more of
1: that. So give me an idea of something then that you've gleaned from that, because- I love that. That process makes sense. But what what have you been able to extrapolate out once the dirt and the dust and the grime has been removed <laughs> from off. that from that that story?
2: OK,
0: well, there, there are lots and lots of examples in the book about this, because I really I did dive pretty deep into word studies like that. But probably the most accessible that people you know would appreciate hearing right off the bat is the term help meet, which I'll just say that. That's one of my least favorite terms yeah. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I just that's that's a terrible term. And and it wasn't actually, it was never even meant to be that. If we look, it's a two-part Hebrew word, it azer And let's just look at the word Azer. So that's spelled E-Z-E-R. And and again, I'm not a linguist, so I may not have that pronunciation exactly mm-hmm. perfect, but this idea of a helper is there are lots of different kinds of helpers we can think of, right? And And I think a lot of times the traditional worldview of Eve as a Mm helpmeet has kind of been a sidekick role, right? That's what Adam's got this. Adam's got this.
1: Yeah, but you know, he better. Yeah, yeah, take Eve with you as well, Adam. But you, I mean, you got this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. But but that's not that's not it at all. When you really get into that Hebrew base word of Azer. What we're looking at there is a name that represents a helper as in God as our helper. And so like Ebenezer, the name Ebenezer, you hear that root word in there at the end of that, Ezer, and that's like the rock of God. And so like like you hear in the song, Come Thou Fount of uh, every blessing, mm-hmm. one of the lines in there is about the Ebenezer, which is this special rock, and it, it really represents God being the savior and the saving big piece of the puzzle, that kind of helper. Well, if we look at Eve as a helper, like unto God, who comes in as a deliverer and a savior, that's a completely different kind of helper than a sidekick. I mean, no one would ever mistakenly refer to the savior as, oh, well, that's my sidekick. You know, I'm yoked with Christ and and so i'm the boss and he's the sidekick oh absolutely not i mean that sounds sacrilege to even say that yeah what we're really looking at is this divine source of help and then when you really examine the second word connecto in that that really represents a balance like unto him so meaning every bit is special every bit is as important they were very balanced, but there's this interdependence that comes with the combination of this easier connecto. And so, a help meet for him really should be thought of as a help, a helper, a divine helper, like this savior, deliverer type, who is a really important, meaningful help meet for him, meaning balanced to be just right and equal to him, but different. Mm. So, um, a balance not of sameness but of difference yeah. and um, complementary balance. And so that's just one example. There, there are lots, and, and the book goes much deeper into that. I mean, there are several pages just, just about that help-meet notion. But I think that has been something that has been really, really misapplied over the centuries to all of our de- detriment, men and women's detriment. It's, it's no good for anyone to think of women as the sidekick that's, you know, just along for the ride or whatever. That's not. That's not the way that was meant to be ever.
1: Yeah, and it, so. It, it's so interesting to me because where I was being a little, um, I don't know that flippant was maybe the word, but on the introduction of that is like you know, do what we have this new book. What you're saying within that is we are literally unlocking the language in a greater way, in a in in more understanding. You know, when we talk within the gospel that we sort of learn line upon line that there was this initial learning of what that could mean and that suited us for a while and now there is this opportunity to learn that much more from that original text that's fascinating
0: yeah yeah that's absolutely right that we can go so much deeper and in fact you know in the publishing process of this of course you have to work for your market your audience and all of that but but we trimmed 50 pages oh, wow. out of this and and it could have had a second volume i mean mm-hmm. there's just There's so much out there. There is so much to be found, even if you really wanted to dig into like apocryphal writing. I mean, there's there's so much beyond sort of the set canon that we have. And I didn't I didn't really go there with Mm -hmm. this. I did more in my research than what's in the book, but but it just really opens your mind to recognizing that there's there is so much there is as much as we want to dig into and find. And for me, that makes me feel like, well, then let's hurry up and and dig into and find everything we have so we can get more. Because I would just love to know everything there is to understand about male-female relationships and and gender relations, because it it impacts everything we do all the time.
1: It's interesting. uh, Over and over in my head as we've been chatting, the scripture— uh, that reads Adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy. Like very obviously absent from that verse is that Eve was right there.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And actually one of the one of the bases for the title with Eve's name first comes from a talk that elder oaks gave and i want to be sure i get the year here right it was in 1993 that's october general conference he gave a talk called the great plan of happiness and in there he's he's doing exactly what you just did he's quoting that scripture but in order to very sensitively include eve in it he put her name first so that then he could just go on with the quotation marks of the scripture as is so he says eve and adam fell that men might be and that really opened the door for us to to Feel comfortable and confident that this would be fine to put Mm -hmm. her name first, but of course, part of the—I don't want to say irony, but—but part of kind of the fun of this title is the subtitle that if you're willing to recognize that there is a beautiful balance there between them and—and the reason actually discovering the beautiful balance, we didn't put their beautiful balance because there are so many different facets of balance in the big picture and in the grand plan. So we wanted the instead of there, but if you're willing to acknowledge that, well, yeah, okay, there is a balance there, then who can really complain about putting her name first? Because right. we've we had it with his name first 10 billion times, and it seems only right that, well, of course, if they're balanced, sure, it doesn't matter whose name goes first, because they're beautifully balanced. So so we're, we're really happy to put her name first.
1: I want to take another break here. And when we come back, I want to, to get into some of the things that maybe we've delicately danced around a little bit and and talk about potential perception that people would have from the title of the book and maybe pushback that you would get. And again, just, you know, um, really identifying the significance and importance of this book. We'll come back and we'll do that in the third block of the cultural hall. Hey, it's me, Richie T. I found myself with a little bit more time on my hands and maybe you're finding yourself in that same position. Well, allow me to introduce you to Best Podcast Consultant in Utah. I don't have the domain. And, and really, I can do this wherever because I'm doing most of the classes virtually. But if you would like to reach out to me, uh, probably the simplest way is if you just do contact at theculturalhall.com. Or you can find me online, richytsteadman.com. You can check that out. I would love to help you if you are already established in podcast or you're thinking, you know what? I've got this downtime. It's a passion project. I've always wanted to do it. You can reach out to me. You can do contact at theculturalhall.com or find me on any social media at Richie T. Stedman.
3: Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com.
1: Time for the third block of the Cultural Hall. Please consider, if you haven't before, I want you to actually stop. Maybe you need to put pause on your podcast listener, your podcast catcher right now. Uh, I would like you to stop and think man, can I financially support the cultural hall a little bit? Press pause. Okay. And now you're back. You just press pause and you thought, okay, can I do that? I would love it if you would consider going to patreon.com slash the cultural hall and becoming a Patreon saint uh, of this this uh, show. We do lots of episodes about lots of different topics. Um, we have definitely been rocking it here in 2020. And, uh, you know, the things that we do, they're not free. The hosting why even the chair I'm sitting in right now I had to pay for. So whatever those uh, those commitments that you can do, I would love for you to, even if you don't go to patreon.com slash the hall and make a donation, I just would like to know that you considered it. And then if you end up doing it, that's great. It gets you to be a part of that, that secret but not sacred Facebook group, and we would love to have you be a part of that. Uh, Mindy Brown, not everyone probably shares um, the, the excitement. Uh, for, for what you do, there are probably people that push back. I think that if you look at it very surface level, I could, I could hear in the minds of some individuals, even Adam, well, there they go. They want, you know, <laughs> them women. And I'm obviously just sort of exaggerating this for the purposes, but there are people that will push back on even the title of even Adam.
0: I am sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. Um, and And, you know, like I said, we had originally thought that the title would not even include Adam, that it would be something like the Courage of Eve, or you know, something that or our glorious Mother Eve or whatever. Mm-hmm. something just focused on her. Um, but uh, one thing I, I really felt strongly as I went through the research, and and I'll totally admit, at the beginning of the project, and it was about a four year project, At the beginning, I was more than happy to let this be about Eve. I felt like Adam had gotten plenty of stuff written about him and she deserved this and the spot in the limelight and things. Um, But really what became crystal clear to me, the more I studied and learned and and prayed and really wrestled with all of this, um, is that they are just the quintessential couple. And they are a duo that cannot be separated. Uh, They just... They, they did everything together. and that's uh, that's one of the blessings of the restored uh, the restoration scriptures. Mm-hmm. In Moses, we have this sixteen verse block in Moses five um, that that Joseph Smith added to the Genesis account, we assume was taken out of the Genesis account that gives all these wonderful details that's all about how they did everything together. And it just wasn't right not to have it be about both of them because it, it was always about both of them um, and, and I don't think putting her name first means in any way, I don't intend it to mean that in any way she was better than him or any of that. It's not that at all. It's just recognizing that, that she was there too. Like you said, Um, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of, um, men, and I say that stereotypically, of course, and I don't mean that to be insulting to anybody at all, but, but I think those who have been in authority to canonize scripture and uh record it and decide what what gets passed on, all of that, historically those were men more than women. And it felt perfectly comfortable and fine for them to say Adam and and maybe in the back of their minds are thinking, Well, of course Eve was there too. Right. Well, you know, that's that we don't hear that. The women we 'd love to hear her name as well and actually President Kimball became quite outspoken about this and said on several occasions um that anytime we hear Adam's name we really should think of it as Mr and Mrs Adams or <laughs> um the Adams family we always sounds funny to sure. our ear because connotations yep. there. yeah <laughs> the yep. Adams family but um but he was sort of the first prophet to really vocally speak up and say no Eve was right there with everything. Anything that we read about Adam, we should just assume that she was there doing it with him, uh, equally, interdependently, and it wasn't just about him. And so this is just a way to, to kind of bring her to the front of that. But, but um, I I absolutely value and honor their partnership and companionship. I think they did it beautifully, and they they provide a model that we could all follow better. And so to me, they're a very, very inspiring couple. Um, And in that regard, I also think they're a beautiful type of our heavenly parents, Mm. which, you know, we don't talk as much about that. But I, I actually feel like if we could recognize and honor Eve in her proper position, right with Adam side by side and interconnected as they were, it might help us fill that void a little bit that some of us feel not knowing quite as much about our heavenly mother. And so that's that's one other thing that I, I hope people might gather and gain from reading my book is feeling more of a connection there and, and recognizing that they even Adam had a beautiful um, uh, model to be following as well that helped them learn how to do all these things together.
1: Yeah. Interesting when you at the very beginning of this episode, when you were talking about the sort of the Hebrew delineation of the word and help meet and. Help to be like God in my mind immediately went to like, you know that that Eve helps Adam to be a God as as Adam helps Eve to be a goddess. Like that was where Absolutely. my mind um, naturally went to, and it's they they yeah. literally could not do it without each other. From Adam to Eve to Eve to Adam.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Uh,
1: a very a very popular phrase, and what may seem like a very softball question to you, I think is very vital that we discuss anytime we have the opportunity and the phrase is representation matters. So why, so, so (laughs) why, if people maybe aren't as familiar with that or what does that have to do with this particular, um, story and situation, why does representation matter?
0: Well, yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, of course, completely believe that, um, Uh, Gina Davis has a great platform she's a big influencer with that. and She likes to use the phrase, you can't be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's absolutely right. Our girls and our young women and our young adult women, um, we need to recognize and, and, uh, have these role models clearly on display, not hidden, not that we have to dig quite so deep for, Mm -hmm. um, and you know we we know about eve but like you say we kind of have two things working against eve one is that so frequently all we hear about is adam and we're just meant to just believe that oh yeah well she was there too you know that's implied and we're supposed to be happy with that and then the other is that well, when we actually do talk about her she is so unfairly treated um a prime example of that is the image of the apple that we so frequently Mm -hmm. connect to her, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that apple image is just amazing. And and this really shows just how sticky cultural tradition can be. Um, That is a kind of a play on words that Latin scribes used when they started translating the Bible and getting it into Latin and things, you know, the fruit is never called out what kind of fruit it is in Genesis or in Moses. It's just kind of an obscure fruit um but the word for apple is a homonym that means both apple and evil and Mm. so you know what a funny pun that was when they thought oh well we got it we'll we'll portray this as an apple um, and that will just drive home the point that eve blew it Mm. and that she made a horrible mistake and we all have to pay the price of that now and you know this was this just introduced evil to the world and it introduced death and all of this and um what an unfortunate sticky thing that's been i mean even in say um snow white disney's yeah, portrait that, that's of funny snow white, that's exactly right?
1: that's exactly what i thought of yeah
0: yeah you you go back to that and there's that apple and temptation and all of this and you know, we know so much more than that that's that is not the whole story by any stretch i think a far better fruit if, if we could pick frankly, would be a fig Mm. because figs are mentioned in the biblical account. And a fig is this beautiful, intensely sweet fruit with a million little seeds in it. And that's really what she was doing. She was opening the doorway to birth, to mortality for all of us. Um, A pomegranate would be a great other portrayal we could have there because of, you know, the redness of that and, and all those seeds, you know, and how beautiful and sweet and healthy a pomegranate is. But anyway this this apple it's so unfortunate i just cringe when i see an apple connected to her because Hmm. i think oh without even realizing we're just driving home that message one one more nail in the coffin of how eve messed up and so You know, if I were going to really undertake one one big mission in the world like that, it might be going around just trying to get rid of every apple connected with Eve that's out there in art and everywhere. I would love to see that symbol go away because
1: just a big paintbrush painting over all the apples in these classic works of (laughs) very uh, tempting and and interesting, (laughs) tempting pun intended. Yeah, Uh, there you go. And then just to just to further sort of extrapolate a point out of it, isn't it Snow White that then she needs to be kissed by a man in order to come? Yes. Yes,
0: exactly. I I just wanted to take
1: that. I just wanted to take that. Just just one little step um, for those that are looking for that example. And I know people are eye rolling going, yeah, we get it. All right. Uh, It's a thing that I've also appreciated and you've touched on as well as we um, look to revere but also discuss more the idea of a heavenly mother. I think that that, you know, that obviously falls in line. We're talking about even obviously the book um, is surrounded around even Adam, but I would imagine that many, if not all, of these parallels extend to our heavenly parents.
0: I I believe that they do absolutely. In fact, it was funny to me, and a lot of the research I was doing, I read um, everything that I could get my hands on that had been written about them and their story, both within our church scholarship and without, and over and over even of the most faithful and optimistic hopeful scholars of other religions they would say things like it was really mysterious that eve and adam could craft a good relationship with no role models hmm. and it just causes you to pause and shake your head and think Of course. Heavenly parents. Of course. Right. There's another there. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. So so I just think we just have such a bigger picture and so many of those pieces missing that we need to go ahead and think through all of it and really apply it in a way that we can start to recognize that that there's there's huge meaning to this story on so many levels and i'm grateful that you recognize that the heavenly parent connection because i do think that's a very important piece of it that's kind of a um between the lines part of this book for
1: sure uh the book is called eve and adam it's discovering the beautiful balance i know it's available in hardcover and you can get it on kindle as well have you narrated it so that we could just listen to it on a commute or a jog yet
0: um, I did not, but there is an audio book available on Deseret Bookshelf. They sent it out actually to the same woman who narrated um, Beverly Campbell's fabulous book about Eve, Even the Choice Made in Eden. That book was written about 15 or 18 years ago. And I think they thought that would be kind of a nice um, uh, stamp of solidarity between the two books if cool. they had the same woman narrating it. So that's nice.
1: Very cool. So people can check that out. There's also a link for that at theculturalhall.com. Uh, Mindy Brown, before I let you go, uh, there is three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those of you now. The first question is, Is do you have a calling? And if so, what is it? Uh,
0: yes, I'm a gospel doctrine teacher, which happens to be one of my very favorite. Sure. I love that calling. Sure. It's great.
1: <laughs> and, and, I bet, and I bet what ends up happening, uh, forgive me for assuming this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, at the end of literally every lesson that you teach— you go, oh, we're out of time. I had so much more prepared that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> well I
0: actually start every lesson with that uh, because I just make it clear from the start. We're not gonna get through as much as I wish we could. So if
1: yeah. you could if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick?
0: Oh boy, that was a good question. You know, these days actually I think I would really love to work in the nursery. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a grandma. I'm grandma through and through now. I tell you, I got that in my blood about a year ago. And it's just I can't get enough of those cute little kids. So that would be a good
1: one. Uh, I and, and an additional question to that, since that was your answer, what's your snack of choice? Because I think that nurseries live or die based on the delicious snack which uh, exists wherein. Do you have? Do you have a favorite well, snack?
0: This, this wouldn't really be a healthy choice to bring into the nursery, but I really love those grandma cookies, the animal crackers, pink and white oh. frosting with sprinkles. Yeah. That I'd probably have to go with that. Yeah. Many a stomachache. Th- that would not. Exactly. I have had yeah.
1: many a stomach because you can eat about 10 before your stomach goes. What, what are you doing? Why what, are we what doing exactly
2: this? Are you eating? Exactly?
1: And, and, and the hands just go, listen, shut up stomach. We're doing this. I have committed to this cookie. Um, um, um. uh, yeah. The last question that we ask everyone uh, that steps into the cultural hall, and you can interpret this however you would like. Um, but that question is, is what is your favorite part of your faith? Oh boy. That's a,
0: that's a good question. Um, You know, I would have to say, and this is very much because of the book and and the topic and all this research, but I just think agency is, um, we just, we we can't possibly overestimate the value and the gift that agency is. And the way that that um, requires a savior and how the savior can make agency absolutely this magical Thing that can help us learn and progress and become more like him mm. it's it just seems absolutely mir- miraculous to me how those two work together and and the value and opportunities those two in conjunction with each other open up for us to really um become what we are meant to become ultimately
1: yeah i love it uh do you have any future projects that people should put on their radar things that are coming out are we riding the riding the uh, wave of Eve and Adam right now?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of doing that. I'm, I'm trying to um, work on my social media presence. That's been something I haven't been real interested in in the past. But, <laughs> um, but you know, obviously I have to do some of that now. And sure. so I have an Instagram, Brave Like Eve. I'd love anybody to follow. Um, I'd love that to be a community where we can share these ideas. There really are. Like it's mind blowing to me how it's all bubbling up at the same time. Like it's been happening for a long time, but like I just feel like a dam is about to burst. And um, like I say, in my acknowledgements of my book, I really feel like working on this whole thing. It was like the veil over the heaven was beginning to burst, Hmm. like it says in the song, the spirit of God, it just felt like on both sides of the veil, there is so much of a desire and, and a prayerful, faithful desire to really understand gender relations better. And it's just time and, yeah. and pieces are everywhere. They're hidden in plain sight and we just need to start gathering them up and making sense of them. So like I said before, we can get more.
2: We,
1: yeah. we just
0: want to find out all we have and then get more.
1: That's yep. the goal. Yep. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body and that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall.
3: Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat, on the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.